0: Welcome to Breaking Through Biz, the podcast where we talk about things that are keeping small business owners from getting traction and what they can do about it. I'm your host, Tabitha Sheever, and I have with us today my guest, Adrian Bracey. Adrienne spent half of her career as senior financial executive in the NFL. She now heads up David Stewart's family office, but what she's most passionate about is empowering women as a business and personal coach, a motivational speaker, and an author. We're going to talk about your book, halftime: Learning to Pivot as a Leader. And I'm so excited to hear about the book process, about what the book is about, and I'm sure that our listeners are really interested in how do they pivot as a leader, especially they're thinking about their second half. So how did you come up with this idea for this book? And just tell us about the, the premise behind it. Well, first, I'd like to say thank
1: you, Tabitha, for having me on the show. I'm so super excited. Um, so the uh, premise was to jumpstart my next career. I had decided in 2018 that I wanted to retire as CEO of YWCA at the time. I had been there just about 12 years. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to retire and do something different. And I decided that a book would be more of a business card, a jumpstart for my new journey. Uh, I wanted to, of course, be a leadership coach. Uh, so I did take the John Maxwell certification, became a certified John Maxwell coach, leadership coach. And then I took another course uh, from Valerie Burton. It's called CAP. It's about uh, positive psychology. So I wanted to be well-rounded. And then I also wanted to do public speaking. So someone told me that if you write a book, then the book could really be, well, number one, you're not going to get rich mm-hmm. unless you're a celebrity <laughs> and I'm not a celebrity. So I didn't expect to make money on the book, but I did want to have it as, like I said, like a business card more or less. Yeah. Uh, so I decided, okay, what now, because I had thought about writing a book back in 2016 or so when I actually paid thousands of dollars to a book coach, more or less. And that didn't work out. So two years later, I decided I'm just going to do it. Uh, I had decided to hire my own personal coach, career coach, because I wanted to be her when I retired. And so actually the first meeting, a coaching session, she said, so tell me, what are you planning to do? And I told her I wanted to write a book. Mm -hmm. And she said, why do you want to write a book? And that reminded me of two years prior Maybe a year prior, I was at a 20th celebration for the St. Louis Rams' greatest show on turf, where I had worked for the Rams for 12 years. Um, And Coach Dick Vermill, I went up to him and I said, So, Coach, I want to write a book. And now this was in 2019, I believe. And he says, Why? Do you know how many leadership books are out there? Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, so I was so deflated and I decided I'm not going to do it. So that was my second thinking about this book process. But then in 2020 when I said, okay, I'm definitely gonna retire and I definitely want to write a book. So my coach, I told her, and she said, well, tell me, what would you write? So I told her. After the coaching session, she literally had my outline of the book.
0: Oh my goodness. She (laughs) took
1: notes of everything and that was the jumpstart of writing, of wanting to
0: even write the book after talking to my coach. Okay, so tell us what the book is about. What's the big main point that you want everyone to walk away from with the book? So the book is about
1: halftime. I chose, of course, because of my career—18 years in the NFL—and mm-hmm. most people think the halftime means the first part of your career and then the second part of your career, but that's not it. So halftime for me, the premise is really halftime throughout your entire career and life. Uh, and I explain to to readers that halftime during the football is when coaches and players go in the locker room and they talk about what needs to be done. Do they need to pivot? Do they need to make adjustments? Um, and then they write down their strategic plan, their game plan. And so I talk to the readers about my different half times within my life and my okay. career, yeah. different points where I had to pivot in my career. And uh, then the other thing that I wrote in the book that was very critical to me as a leader, making sure you have the right people on your team. So that's also in the book. And that kind of and, and I talked a little bit about the NFL having making sure you have the right players on your team. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how it's really important to hire slow, but fire fast when it's not the right team mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then I also talk about the three P's passion, purpose, and potential. Um, And I tell the readers, having your passion aligned with your purpose, but making sure you can also do the work, which is your potential. So I talked about how Michael Jordan was a great basketball player when he retired. He went into baseball. He had a passion for it. And that was just maybe a purpose he wanted, but he didn't have the potential like he had for the basketball side. Mm -hmm. So I talk about that, just making sure that you have the right skills for what you're passionate about. Um, and I, I talk about time management, which has always been a problem of mine.
0: Um, and, uh, and there are several other chapters. so those okay. are the highlights. Awesome. So um, what are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing business leaders face today and, and you know that they're having to really do those pivots? Obviously we had COVID, but what else are you seeing uh, now or what do you think is coming up that people need to be prepared to pivot on? Talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care what industry you're in. I consult
1: uh, with a nonprofit. They're having such a hard time finding the right people for their team and also just having the funds to pay because, like you said, COVID really increased, I think, like every commodity. And mm-hmm. and so, so talent right now is what I'm hearing from all phases, uh, whether it's your entry level, all the way up to your CEO C-suite and in between. So, you know, I what I'm finding the best thing is to really, that homegrown theory, like if you have a good employee, they may not be ready for that senior level today, but if that's a good employee and they fit with the culture, mm-hmm. which is so important. What I'm finding now with this one client, they're just hiring warm bodies. Mm-hmm. And the people that they're hiring they're not fit for the culture. The values are not aligned with the mission and the vision. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, if you have that good person, but they're entry level or maybe a middle level, stay with them and groom them. Give them professional development so that you don't lose them. And unfortunately, companies are having to be real flexible Mm -hmm. with the hybrid working. Uh, There's so many things that companies are now having
0: to do to retain. It's not just recruitment. Yeah, I just heard the other day that 15 days of time off is the expected vacation time now. So no longer are people coming in and saying, you know, one week for my after my first year. They're coming in and they're saying I want 3 weeks just straight off Straight about. off yeah. right away. Yes. No accruals. No accruals. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That it's amazing. The demand out there is just out of control. I mean, you know, the the lack of, I guess the lack of people and so what people people can demand is... It's just nuts. But It's nuts. And
1: we see the strikes are coming more and more now because employees are wanting to demand more.
0: Yeah. And, and so a lot of it has to do with I've heard people say people don't quit companies, people quit managers. And so I think this is where the people development part is is so important. Um, I teach EOS, and so I teach about your leadership team, right? Yes. But as an individual, what other things could uh, the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, can they be doing to develop themselves? Because the company can't grow bigger bigger than you as an individual are growing. So what kind of things do you see or should they be doing to strengthen themselves and their leadership abilities? Well, that's a good point. You know, one thing I, I think that helps is
1: being a part of an organization, another a professional organization. And I know a lot of times you just don't have time, but being a part of, I don't know, let's say a CEO forum mm-hmm. or the AICPA or the National Marketing Association. Mm-hmm. I think being a part of those high-level, and they should be high-level organizations, will, in my opinion, help that C-level person because now they have other C-level people that's not in their industry or they don't even know, but now they can really network and encourage each other and learn from each other and learn best practices. Like, what are you doing over there? Can you help me? And and so that has always helped me is networking, but being a part of a professional organization, some of them are expensive. I mean, I know some CEO uh, groups, they're, they're not cheap, mm-hmm. but the valuable information you get from those groups, you come back, you take it, and you,
0: it helps you as a leader, yeah, it's like having a board of directors to surround yourself with that can help give you advice. And I'm part of C12. So I 12 is a Christian CEO networking organization for anyone oh. who doesn't know. But yeah, same thing. It's it's great because we just sat yesterday for eight hours and we all got to talk about our businesses and challenges we were having. And it's other similar sized businesses. And it's one of the big things I'm seeing is that especially those like five to 30, $40 million businesses those owners are just operating they're just literally in the day-to-day and they're really missing out on doing the networking so i think that's a great piece yeah. of wisdom what else do you have well you know the other thing uh taking care of yourself mm-hmm. you
1: know like we talked before the show about balance and you know and i said that i don't typically even try to get the work-life balance i try to get work-life harmony now because harmony is going to be internal for me. It's not really dependent upon the outside, the environment. I'm not probably going to get off the hamster wheel right now. I'm on the wheel, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, but I have harmony. Mm. I have my mind, my body, my soul. I'm at peace, and there's nothing like having peace, because if I'm at peace, then I could sleep well, and when I sleep well, then I'm a better person. I'm a better leader, a better CEO, a CFO, a CMO. And so that's another advice. We just feel that we've got to take care of everything. We don't get our sleep. We don't exercise. We don't eat right. Then it really affects our personal life, our family life, yeah. and even our spiritual life. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I would say that's another thing that I think is strictly important for C-level people. High-level type A is to make sure you have self-care. And even if that means talking to someone, you know, uh, a psychologist or whatever, whatever, or a spiritual person, but you do need to get it out. You can't internalize that.
0: Yeah, they say it's lonely at the top, and oh. so you have to have that network of of peers, and then potentially someone who's a one on one coach for you to work through any any head trash, as I like to call it. I like that. Oh he- <laughs> yes, and there's a lot of head trash, a lot of
1: yeah noise. Yes. Yes. yes
0: just bombarding. Um, I wasn't going to go here, but I am interested. So tell me what it's like running this family office for David Stewart. How did you get connected with that? And how does that align with your core purpose of empowering women? Oh, that's a good question. So I got connected through a search firm. Okay. So the search
1: firm read that I was retiring. They called me and said, hey, we heard that you're retiring. We have this family that wants to start a family office. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, I really wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to write my book. I was in the middle of writing my book, actually, just about three or four more chapters to go and had already taken my John Maxwell leadership coach. I was certified. I'm in the middle of taking this other coaching course. And I thought, oh, boy. And uh, he said, so what are you going to do after this? And I said, well, you know what? I still have to pray about it. And he said, oh, wow, I'm glad you said the word pray because this family office is big in prayer. And I thought, oh, hmm. Well, I didn't know at the time. So I thought about it, and I actually prayed about it. And I called him, and I said, okay, I'm ready to talk. We talked and talked, and they finally told me it was the Stewart family. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I love David Stewart and his faith Faith component. Yes. So I uh, went down the road of interviews, 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 a couple of months, two months, three months, whatever. And finally, I met with Dave, David Stewart, and I said, um, basically, you know, my passion is inspiring and enhancing the lives of women and girls. Coaching is a part of what I love to do to give back. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, guess what, Adrian? You'll be doing some coaching here. I promise she'll even coach me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay. So Because our faith aligned, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: his vision just resonated with me for his business vision. And then the spiritual vision was, oh, my gosh. And then the family is just what you see. People say, is he really like that? Yes, he is really a man of God. And so I knew I wanted to be a part of that culture, Mm -hmm. that uh, value system, uh, which is perfectly aligned, what we call, he likes to call it, evenly yoked. So we are evenly yoked. And then I had a chance to talk to him and I said, you know, I still love to continue to do my coaching because that's my passion and my purpose. Mm-hmm. And he said, do it. So that's how I bring in and have, that's how I integrate my coaching of empowering women, inspiring and enhancing the lives of women with my day job. So love it. it's it's a perfect match. It's that harmony that we talked about. It's
0: the integrated um the whole, the it's, whole, yeah, it's, it's the whole. and the thing I'm, I'm taking as I'm listening to you is the power of and. Like what I love about you and your career mm-hmm. is it's always been I can do this and do that, and I can serve these people and serve that group, and and then it sounds like the binding agent in all of mm-hmm. that is really the spirit and the Lord, and that's where your base and your foundation is. So talk to me about your spirituality and how do you integrate that in work life?
1: It's so easy because it's my DNA. And so when, when it's your DNA, it's like breathing. Um, and I don't have to think about breathing. Yes. So that's how I look at it. Um, my clients, my coaching clients, not all of them have that spiritual aspect, but they don't mind me bringing it into my coaching. Yes. Um, and I, of course, do not force anything on anyone. And, and it's working. So they respect my faith. Um, because I do have different uh, nationalities, with, uh, even religious uh, clients, but they respect. And that's the key, is having that respect. And mm-hmm. so that's like so important, that trust, that respect. So I, it's so easy. Most of my clients, we pray before we go into coaching. Uh, the ones who are not faith-based, we meditate. Mm-hmm. So I bring in meditation. They're meditating, but I'm praying. And they don't know or probably don't even care. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of just getting them centered before we go into our coaching. And connected to something bigger than themselves. Absolutely. And and being calm and having that harmony. Uh, So it's working out perfectly. Um, Yeah, it's just divine intervention.
0: What's your faith story? So when did you come to know the Lord?
1: I was 10 years old. Okay. So um, I I was born into uh, humble beginnings. And I was actually adopted by a family member at nine. And she and her husband, my cousin, they were my cousins, um, they introduced me to the Lord and they took me to a revival. They adopted me. I went to church with them for a year. After a year, i start to understand the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and at 10, it was the revival. It was a Thursday night. It was in June of 1970. And I accepted the Lord then.
0: That's so fantastic. Yeah. So how did you go from humble beginnings to NFL oh boy yeah you know it's so funny i was uh, on a panel this week and
1: they you know we were just talking and i said you know i went from working in the nfl with deep pockets mm-hmm. to working for nonprofit with hole in the pockets <laughs> <laughs> it's like where did the money go so uh my you know it's my faith and it's it's networking i i actually entered the nfl through networking as i said joining these professional organizations so i joined the national association of black accountants, we call it NABA. It's okay. a professional organization for accountants, black accountants, and someone in NABA knew the uh, treasurer for the Miami Dolphins. So when they called my colleague for a referral, he referred me. Okay. And so that was my entrance into the NFL for 18 years and it was through networking. So I went from the Miami Dolphins to the Rams through the Arizona Cardinals, all because of knowing someone. And so that's why I said it's really important to um, not just the CEO, but even the middle level staff to join an organization. And, you know, I stayed humble. I stayed within my means. Even when I started to make more money, I didn't spend more money. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to uh, retire, you know, at 61 because of that. Um, knowing my humble beginnings uh, helped me
0: to stay grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're in your second half and you're coaching and you're loving it. Um, What is the ideal fit for you? If somebody wanted to have Adrian Bracey, what would they be looking for? They
1: would be looking for someone who is welcoming, um, compassionate. I have a lot of empathy because of my humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a gift of just discernment, Mm. And so just being able to help people even without some time giving them advice, because that's what coaching is. It's not giving advice. It's it's not even consulting. It's bringing what is in you out of you. Mm. So being able to do that, uh, I think, is a gift
0: and someone who they can trust. That's good. Um, I was adopted also by my dad, so not my full family, but yeah. had, had had the same mom and had the adopted. How did that impact you and your beliefs about yourself and like mm-hmm. your self-worth? How did that? Hmm. That's a very good question. It, it was tough for me
1: because I felt, and even in between the adoption, at five years into the adoption, my cousin ended up taking me back not back, because I had never stayed with my father and his mom. So I was born... My mom had a mental breakdown, a nervous breakdown when I was born. So she took me to an aunt and uncle who had kids, and one of the kids adopted me. Mm. So I never lived with my... She was My mom was uh, admitted to the mental hospital when I was born, and she dropped me on the porch of my uncle mm. and my aunt. And then their son married, and then his wife fell in love with me. Then at 15, five years into the adoption... She then took me to live with my father and his mother, which was a triangle. And dealing with that and processing that. And at first I thought, wow, I guess they just don't love me. But it was because of the fight that she had with my grandmother. And she thought, you know what, it's all financial. You want her for the money. Here, take her. So I didn't realize all of this until I was older, until my adopted mom said, do you ever feel bad that I took you to live with your grandmother? And I said, no, you know, at the time, I really processed it like this must be God's plan because I was in the Lord at the time at fifteen. Mm-hmm. I had given my life to the Lord at ten. so I figured it must be God's plan and it was It was totally mm-hmm. God's plan. I would not be where I am today without that struggle I uh, but to your to your question. I, I suffered with low self-esteem for a long time, lack of self-confidence for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was these girls, in, which I wrote in the book. I actually wrote my story in the book. These young girls at ninth grade, I remember they were six of them, and they, they just looked like they were going to be somebody. And so I became friends with them. And sure enough, that group, and I know it was God's intervention, divine connection, We're still to this day over 40 years close friends. Mm -hmm. Each one of us, all seven of us went to college and we're all successful. So I don't know what would have happened if all of that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, But it took years for me to build my. I actually went to therapy about it. Yes. Yeah. Not feeling good enough.
0: Yep. Yep. I have a tattoo on my arm of the word enough, but it's in the shape of a cross. So <gasps> like God is enough because I struggle with some of the same <sighs> things. But I also very much believe that it was all for a purpose. It was all for a reason. And I wouldn't be who I am now. And I think it makes me a better coach because I can be more empathetic and I can understand things that people are going through. So thank you for oh. sharing your story. I know that. Oh. uh That is healing for some people. Yes.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing your and being vulnerable to share. You know, that's how people, I think, get help.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. From us sharing our stories. Absolutely. So, if somebody wanted to get your book or wanted to coach with you, how would they best go about getting a hold of you?
1: Well, they would go to adrianbracey.com and the book is there. And there's a place where they can contact me or they can email me directly at embrace. EMBRACE embrace at Adrian Bracey
0: I love it. Oh. What a great email address. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I um, would invite everyone to join us next month when we speak to Mark Metz about hiring the right sales team and helping them succeed with an actual sales process. If you're interested, uh, that'll be coming up next month. So, Adrian, thank you so much for being on today, and I uh, love talking with you.
1: Oh, Tabitha, this has been great. Uh, I just love learning even a little bit more about you. So, thank you so much for having me, and God bless to everyone.
0: This has been Breaking Through Biz with Tabitha Sheever, and I just want to give a thank you to Family Vision Media and Dave Powell for helping us to produce this podcast. Plus Delta is committed to helping your small business get your operations in order and to drive positive change. To learn more about Plus Delta services or EOS, go to plusdelta.com. Until next time, happy changing, everyone.